1: And welcome in, everybody, to episode 101 of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ, joined as always by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey we're in the busiest sports time of the year. We got college basketball tipping off. We got the NBA getting into the two early complaints and predictions part. College football is really starting to matter. And midseason of the NFL point, it is a busy time to be a sports fan. Yes, it is. It
2: is an absolutely exciting all-around for sports. I mean, I, I love it. This is the best time. We have college basketball starting back up as well, which... I mean, this is always fun when you, know, you got Zaga running the table over people right now and looking great. And then you have, you know, college football getting down to the nitty gritty, which, well, I think we're going to start off with. Uh, how about you?
1: That's a that's a pretty good illusion there. a Nice little tale of the tape company. That will take us into the tip off. Brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Smell like a man. Feel like a champion. Some wonderful Black Friday holiday deals on there. Click on our link and that will take you straight to it. Several bundles for different soaps, deodorants, whatever you need as well, too. And still. Some Star Wars edition soaps that I would highly recommend, but that's going to take us into the tip off. And Kelsey, we I guess we got to go with it. We got to start with college football and the playoffs, and it still continues to be a little messy, to say the least, as well too. And the Final Four taking a little bit of a turn, if you will.
2: Yeah, look, uh, this this playoff committee. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it coming out, it is. Why are we still? What is wrong with this committee? I feel like every week we're just like there's a new complaint, and this week for me, why is Michigan ahead of Michigan State still? And you have Iowa's Mark Barcha, or whatever he is, the head of the college football committee, that he's like, oh, putting putting aside watching the games, mm-hmm. we feel Michigan is a more complete team, offensive and defensively.
1: But- if only there was a way for us to figure this out. Like somehow you can match up two teams head-to-head and see who is actually the better team overall. If only there's a way to figure that out. I'm not sure how to do it. Can't quite put my finger on it. Is this like a simulation? Is it a roll of the dice? Is it flippy a coin? I, I don't know. Maybe Barta has the answer on this one, but I can't seem yeah. to figure it out.
2: You know, I feel like I feel like maybe you know, putting pads on some guys and and putting helmets on maybe maybe that's too direct on the nose. Maybe that's too easy, and that's why you know we don't want to go with that on every Saturday. I I'm not sure what the deal is honestly. This is this is absurd.
1: Absolutely, and we still see Cincinnati at number five on the outside looking in. Oklahoma pretty much playing themselves out of it with their loss as well to Baylor, and then still Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Ohio State basically playing. Putting themselves in position to control their own destiny. My question is: We got Ohio State and Michigan State coming up this weekend. Let's say Michigan State hypothetically wins that game. Do you think they would jump Ohio State, or do you, so they just end up passing Michigan and Cincinnati, or do you think they would do Michigan State dirty and put them at five, maybe then slide up Cincinnati or slide up Michigan and Michigan State at five and just move Cincinnati down? Oh, let's be completely honest. They're going to move Cincinnati down. Number one, <laughs> number two. I feel
2: like they're going to do anything in their power to to keep everybody else out. I mean, this is just. Ohio State Invitational. But here, here we are, and then it's going to be. Well, how can we keep Jim Harbaugh his job so we can finally see Ryan Day hang a hundred on Jim Harbaugh? Well, um, let's get him into the playoffs, too. Let's sneak him in there. Uh, whether Oregon stays or not is a different story. But yeah, this look, I, I think, I think Ohio State is going to stay, even if Michigan State beats them, which it seems blasphemous to say that. But you literally just said there's no point in watching the games a team who is more complete offensive and defensively is going to be ranked higher. Like you literally just said that this week when ranking the playoffs. So I, I don't get why we're playing any more games this year.
1: I'm really curious to see how it plays out as well too. In my opinion, it should be you move Michigan state up to five and then Cincinnati slides into that four spot is that basically just the best common denominator left of all the other teams that have one loss or even two losses now, the Ohio state and then Michigan state with a chance to move up, depending on how it goes and Michigan, maybe a chance to jump. I'm like, there's some options, but I think if I were in charge, I'd slide Ohio State down to probably seven to move everybody else, else up one spot. That's what I would do. But that's just me. I'm not an expert. I don't get – I'm well, not part I, of – I college.
2: mean, let's be honest. That's what any normal, sane human being would do. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, I, I think when it comes to, 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 to ranking these playoffs, there's anything but sane, normal human beings ranking these playoff teams. I, I feel like that's that's our biggest problem here.
1: Let's throw on top of it too. Let's hypothetically say Ohio State beats Michigan State. You know darn well they're going to somehow find a way to put them at three ahead of Oregon, who they actually lost to early on. It's another one of those. Well, if only we had a way to figure out who would, who should be ranked higher. Somehow it'll end up at Ohio State at three, being like, well, they beat Michigan State. That's a much better win. Somehow, somehow to work out that way.
2: Yeah, it's it's silly. I I don't get it. I don't think we'll ever understand it. The college football playoff committee is a joke. And look, we we I think I think we've talked about this. I think we need to go back to the algorithm. Let the algorithm decide, and then go from there. Because this is, this is, a, this is a joke. This a, this one, can't be
1: serious. Not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, but eighteen playoff could solve a lot of these issues. Just, just, uh, and I do want to mention. Still, this isn't a knock on Ohio State specifically. It's not that they're not good enough to be there. Yeah, my concern is if they lose, we've seen what happens. I mean, Ohio State, Oregon has the best win of the college football regular season, besides when Texas and beat Alabama, but because they beat Ohio State, who was ranked number two at the time. That's yeah. why Oregon is so thrust right in there despite their loss to Stanford and the Pac-12 being – well, the Pac-12, unfortunately. So it's not a shot at Ohio State because Ohio State is more than good enough to be there. It's the process how we get them there. That's really like – what's the, there's no repercussions. You Why are we even playing at this point?
0: <laughs> yeah, And I CJ mean,
1: Stroud, though, still playing himself into that Heisman conversation, I think, as well, too. So, Ohio yeah, State look, fans, you don't have to yell at us. It's not a shot at the shoe. Just pointing out the way we got here is like, Really? Oh, I mean, we could take a shot of the
2: shoe, but that's oh, here we go. that's not this, that's not for this episode. Um, we'll save that one for when they lose to Michigan State. Well, um, are right, you hold on. Is that you calling your shot? You think Michigan State and Kenneth Walker and pull pull it off this week? No, I'm not gonna <laughs> be that stupid to admit that. Like, that's just crazy. <laughs> when it happens, though, I will say I told you so. But okay, when it so doesn't what, happen, I'll be like, I never said anything. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: So what you're gonna do is you're hedging your bets with no money on the line. Okay, I see what you're doing. You're a smart man, smart man.
2: Safe, playing it safe. You know, it's it's what I do best. <laughs> but That'll do it for the tip off. It was a real quick one this week. Last week our tip off was, well, let's just say we had a lot more to discuss last week because there was a lot more wrong with everything last week. This week, really just that Michigan, Michigan State seems to be we taking taking some jump off violations on last week's tip off, but this
0: time we got to clean the first try. Was not the actual voice of a winner,
2: but that'll take us to the main event here. Brought to you by Colorcast. You guys haven't checked out Colorcast? I mean, really, what are you doing by this point in time? We are there every weekend, man. We just had a absolutely fantastic weekend worth of calling games, and we will be back at it again this weekend, which we'll talk about a little bit later. We're not going to spoil that that one. But if you guys have an iOS device, Apple uh, iPhone, iPad, go ahead, download Colorcast app, go check it out, and you can even jump on the mic yourself and call the event yourself. And it is totally worth it honestly like if you have any any hot sports takes color cast app is the way to go with that and uh look i know we got zach finally jumping on there from gridiron gallery and uh actually the bleacher connection crew they are going to be uh jumping on to do some cfl games as well so there's a whole lot of a lot of stuff happening on color cast coming forward and man, they just keep growing we're part of a great organization with color cast and just keep growing
1: revolutionizing the way sports is talked about and commentated as well too so jump on the bandwagon while you can now because it's only going to get bigger and it's only going to get heavier so get your comfy front rows first class seat while you can exactly so if you guys
2: don't know how our highs and lows work or well how our main event works it's our highs and lows our namesake (laughs) we like to give you our highs and lows three highs three lows each from the last week of sports and
1: dj i'm gonna let you get it started all right so we're gonna go with my first high I'm looking at Jonathan Taylor, the running back for the Colts. Not only does he have seven straight games of 100-plus scrimmage yards and a touchdown, which is, if I'm not mistaken, has surpassed LaDainian Tomlinson, who did in his MVP conversation, he's also now tied, just tied right down to the yard, with Derrick Henry for the league in rushing yards. With, I know Derrick Henry's missed about two games, but he's still done in fewer carries on top of that as well, too. So Jonathan Taylor's having an absolutely sensational season after a slow start in an offense in which he really does not get the ball as much as he should. Anyone who's watched the Colts games, you're like, why? You see the meme with LeBron James and J.R. Smith. It's LeBron, Jonathan Taylor, then J.R. Smith is Frank Reich. Like, I, what are you saying? I don't. He only. I think he's only cracked twenty carries once or twice this season. So he's not getting the ball nearly as much as you think. And he really looks like that Wisconsin absolute monster that everybody saw almost win the Heisman multiple times with absolutely nothing around him. And he's got a tough task this week with the Bills. So we'll see if he can keep that streak going. It's gonna be really tough, but he's been absolutely sensational this so year, taking that second year jump when last year. He was third in the league in rushing. He only started like six or so games. We forget. He was not the starter through a lot of those games, having some of those rookie up and downs, and Naeem Hines taking a lot of the carries. So really curious to see that if he's able to keep this going, because he's been absolutely on fire since October started. In play, go for sure. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. an understatement. Dude, this,
2: this guy, I, that's not just a, a description of how he, how he plays, how he's been playing. That's how he runs, too. He literally runs like he's a man on fire. Like, good luck trying to stop this man. for and a half speed. Like, <laughs> Get that in the open field and his and his swivel. amen man, hips don't lie. Shakira was onto something with Jonathan Taylor and, and that's his hips don't lie, man. He leaves people in the dust. Actually, that's not true. I think his hips probably lie the most because he sends them one way and they go the other and, and he's just like, Well, what happened to you, bud? Oh and, and if your hips
1: don't get to, if you don't get your hips destroyed he hits you right in the chest as well too being 230 pounds, and has two of the longest runs of the season as well too at 84 and 76. He's been absolutely sensational. I know the Colts offensive line is still one of the be- is one of the better ones in the league, but it just started getting put together healthy-wise as too all the injuries they've gone with. So Jonathan Taylor gets my nod for my first high and he's been just a sensational season. Maybe if the Colts get on a run, look for him to maybe edge his way into the bottom of those MVP conversations if he starts Seriously, starting to knock forward some yards. I mean, if we're looking at 1700 rushing, 700 receiving, something asinine like Christian McCaffrey like like that, and the Colts fight their way into a playoff spot after being on, you never know. It's a long shot. This is a reach. Like if you have $10 to spare, you throw it out there for a chance to win a couple hundred. But you never know. The way he's playing, it's very possible. It's a wide open race right now.
2: Yeah, it absolutely is. You never know. I would not we bet a lot of money it. on
1: it, though. You keep the house. You do not bet the house on
2: that. Yeah, no, don't don't bet don't bet the house on this one. There's too many pro- other problems with the Colts right now that, to bet the house on somebody. There's,
1: there's too many good teams coming up as well, too. Like, I'm not Ben was on that one. But that's going to take me now to my second high of the of the last week. And I'd be kind of hard remiss not to mention them because we haven't talked a whole lot about them. But topping the Eastern Conference, the Washington Wizards of all teams as well, too. No, not the Bucks. No, not the Nets. No, not the Knicks. No, not the Hawks. No, none of that. The Washington Wizards at 10-3 and 3 at the time of this recording as well, too. And doing a good amount of that without Bradley Beal, nonetheless. The trade, honestly, the trade for was- Russell Westbrook, the Wizards won that one so far, and it's really not even close if you look at it. And that's not even because Westbrook has been bad necessarily. It's because Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, everything they got it, like those two have been absolutely sensational. Montrezl Harrell looks like that sixth man of the year he was with the Clippers. It makes that Lakers season look like an aberration. They, they're they well coached now, too. Getting rid of Scott Brooks seems to have weirdly helped them as well, too. Like It's amazing how much better run they are with an actual coach in the, at the helm, and I don't know if this is going to be a long-term thing. I mean, they've had some struggles at playing the Cavaliers as well. There's been a little bit of struggles here and there. But I look at the Washington Wizards. I'm like, this is a team that's kind of on the uprise, too. It seems like they kind of bounced back from that John Wall injury plague time with Bradley Beal and nobody around him. Then the Russell Westbrook experiment. It felt like this team was kind of in the hole for a while with not a lot of picks either. But I see them climbing themselves out a little bit, and they look like a competitive future, maybe playoff contender-type team along with, like, the Bulls, the Cavaliers, some of those other th- things as well, too. Yeah, no, look, hey, the Wizards, man.
2: I don't get it. Like where where did they come from? Uh who 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 decided they wanted to be good again for the Wizards this year and, and better yet? Uh who's the guy that decided to to amount the talent needed to be good again? Cuz this is this Wizards team outside of outside of Bradley Bill is is well not a whole huh. lot
1: they are greater than the sum of their parts to say so far. And remember, at this time last year, when hashtag Free Brad the Beal an obnoxious thing going around, everyone was like, "Send him to Denver, send him here, send him there, send him to L.A." Well, now it's like, "Help Bradley Beal, send more help, and or join Bradley Beals with the case is. Almost having like Jarvis Landry went to Cleveland, and he's like, "Everyone come here, everyone come here, not everyone get away from here."
2: Yeah, no, really. I mean, it's it's insane to think about. And the like the, the, the talent, the talent here, you have Ru, you have Rudy Hosmer, who, by the way, I I still love, but he's slowly, slowly per, putting himself into a. Best Japanese player to ever play, uh, possibly. Um, Roll. I mean, I, there's not very many that to ever play, so he has not a lot, of, not a lot of, not a lot of work ahead of him for sure. So, uh, but look, he is—he's already putting himself in that not that that category. A guy who came out way too early, I believe, into the NBA, but he's turning himself into a pro player. And hit—you have him helping out with Bradley Bill, and then all the other pieces stepping up, as you mentioned. The sums are greater than the part, and some of the best teams we see year in year out are just guys that are just better than their individual sums.
1: Absolutely as well. T's been absolutely sensational. Well, that we've gotten the gridiron. We've in the hardwood. For my final high of the day, we're going to head to the octagon. And in the main event of this last week, Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez, number one in the featherweight rankings versus number three. And nobody wanted to fight Yair Rodriguez. He is an absolute freak of nature. The amount of spinning kicks, the dexterity in his legs. He's one of the most dangerous guys on the feet you will find in the UFC across the board. And he has submissions. He is a dangerous guy that has not fought in about two years. And there's a reason for that as well, too. And Max Holloway went in there, did what he does. He's beaten just about everyone besides Alexander Volkanovsky, which he should have actually beat him in that second fight. But that was a questionable decision. I digress. But the pace he puts on is the diversity in his game, the amount of strikes he could throw in such a short amount. He might be the best fighter that doesn't have a belt right now, arguably with guys like Dustin Poirier. He was absolutely sensational. Fast hands, lightning quick combinations. He was absolutely amazing. Max Holloway gets my third high of the week because he continues to put on a show and whoever he... There's some big options for him next. He has a win over the lightweight champion. Conor McGregor is always out there. There's the picture of Conor pacing, staring at Max Holloway on the TV. There's so many different fights from out there. You could put him in there with Volkanovski, and I don't care if he's technically 0 too. I I'd watch that a thousand times over. So Max Holloway gets my third high of the week. He continues to be absolutely sensational, main event, event worthy at all times, and always, always, always finds a way to put on a show. And I don't think he, I think he has a chin made of, out of pure vibranium because no matter what you hit him with, he just kind of like blinks at you, opens his eyes really wide, and then charges forward and hits you with like 17 strike combinations. So he continues to be an absolute maniac, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in Volkanovski fight yet again. Yeah, no, no, no like, and, and to your point, I think I saw
2: a stat that about 17 or seven, 17 or, or almost 20% of the, or of the total strikes landed so far have belonged to Max Holloway. In the 2021 year? is that, uh, It is something ridiculous. That, like he that? had
1: north of 400 when he fought Calvin Cater as well, too. And he's the first fighter to, of all time to pass 3,000 total strikes, which is absolutely astronomical considering he does it all on the feet, too. Most of the time when you see those high strike totals, it's because a guy gets gets take someone down then hits them 1,000 times when he's on top of them because they can't go anywhere. He's doing this on the feet, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. The future Hall of Famer continues to even somehow get better. Not even 30 years old yet. It feels like he's been around forever. Like, He's absolutely incredible. There's no other way to describe it.
2: Yeah, like this was this was an insane fight, and and I still I still love the fact that you was a uh, you know you showed me the video and I, it was something I'd never seen before. Max Holloway taunting his opponent and talking to the UFC announcers in one of his previous fights while throwing punches while jo- <laughs> while dodging people. Literally and this saying I'm like- the
1: best boxer in the UFC. You heard me while doing this and evading people and throwing <laughs> punches back. Like I can't even pretend to mimic it as well as he did it live against a top ten fighter, nonetheless. And yeah,
2: just, you know, real just rattles this dude with just some left straights and jabs that are just, it just does, doesn't make sense. And then what you saw, what he did with Rodriguez, I mean, that just, that wasn't fair. I and, mean, really, that was like,
1: that was silly. And that was one of the best Rodriguez you'll ever see. Like that Rodriguez pieces up so much of the division as well, too. Probably just about everyone besides him and maybe Volkanovsky is a champion. But like Rodriguez is a dangerous man to come to. And that was off of a two-year layoff. So there's bright things for the both of them. And I look forward to if they fight again. I can't wait. I will be grabbing a whole barrel of popcorn, and I'll be sitting there throwing it back like I'm Terrell Owens in the end zone. I can't wait for that. Yeah, look, it's, it's going to be a, a whole lot of fun
2: for sure. But that will take us over into my highs and lows, and that's going to start me with my first high. And that's fitting because he wears number one. <laughs> it's Cam Newton back in <laughs> Carolina. And look, all the the, the memes, all the <laughs> the tweets about you know him just – fading away into the distance with his, yeah, uh, forget it. Forget about it. He is mm-hmm. in Carolina, and he is a starter. I, I'm sorry. He is the starter in Carolina until further notice. I don't think Sam Darnold is going to fight his way back into taking this spot from Cam. Two touchdowns and what that team looked like, they looked revitalized. They looked like they believe. They looked like the Panthers that the name Keep Pounding came from, where it was just a, a team that that believed in each other. Christian McCaffrey
1: looked like old school Christian McCaffrey. I mean, absolutely. realistically, I, absolutely as well, too. And add on to that, he didn't even start that game against Carolina. He came in and basically goal line duty. He was their goal line back their Brandon Jacobs or Marion Barber. And he came and scored two touchdowns. Matt Rule says he's not ruling out the chance of Cam Newton starting this weekend either. So it looks like Cam might be the starter. Tough break for PJ Walker, who I think a lot of people were excited to see, especially the XFL fans. But Cam Newton's a different beast, especially in Carolina. And is there anything more fitting to see Cam Newton back in that Carolina number one, barrel dozing his way into the end zone? Is it like, it's like the most. It's almost a swan song. I can't you can't put it into words? It's poetry in motion.
2: Uh, it just it, you know, there's just some guys that are comfortable in certain looks, and and that's his look. Like that is his thing, you know. And and at a, for, like you remember when you shot Deion Sanders playing for the Ravens, and he was just wearing cool. long sleeves, and it just didn't look right. Yeah, and you're just like this. This doesn't make sense. That's what it looked like for Cam in uh, in New England, and this is Cam Newton in in Carolina. Uh, just just seems to fit, and we get a we get a heck yeah on on Cam Newton on that one. So, uh, but yeah, look, this is a man. I love it. I, I love it. I love seeing him back there. I will see you this week for real if if it's for real. If it was just a one one game thing, because we see it all the time in the NFL where yeah. it could just be a one game
1: thing. That puts me on a, a quick hot seat question for you. Let's say he starts the rest of the season and leads into a playoff berth. Do you think Cam Newton gets p- comeback player of the year, even though he missed half the season? Which Dude, is tough because there's some there's some real good competition for that award this year. Well, I can't uh, – maybe I'm just
2: stupid. I, I can't think of another one that would, would rival that type of a comeback.
1: Dak Prescott would be the one that argues it right now. Okay, fair. Like, that's the, that's, that's the big. Wow, I comeback. feel like a terrible Cowboys fan right now. I just <laughs> – You hate them, is that I understand. that Rules is rules. But, like, do you think Cam Newton is virtually with that one performance alone, we're obviously looking – projecting an entire half season ahead. Do you think if he plays similar to this where he gets Caroline into a wild card spot or even if they somehow take the division, but I wouldn't bet on that, but plays them into a playoff position – he has a strong case for that comeback player of the year. It's hard to say no, because this team was literally on a losing streak. Yeah. Dallas.
2: Okay. The one thing with Dallas is they have weapons. You all have, you have tons of weapons. Zeke looks looks revitalized as well. And maybe that's having Dak there. Maybe it's not. I don't know what the reason behind that is, but Zeke does look healthy. T- Tony Pollard looks great for Dallas. So he has assets that are playing well. And the defense finally looks like a real defense. Even though Trayvon Diggs gives up a ton of yards, he has the picks. So you know, I they, they, I don't think we have got an episode without taking a dig at Trayvon Diggs yet. So I had to keep up the momentum. Um, but I, look, no, it's what Carolina has is a bunch of young pieces on defense, a sketchy offensive line, and a really good running back in Christian McCaffrey. And if he can stay healthy, and then a really good backup in Chuba Hubbard, and, who by the way didn't get hundred yards this week because well, he was just not <laughs> able to. Like it was it was Christian McCaffrey's show, and, and Chuba Hubbard is a guy that. Will fill in valiantly. I think they could even run a two-back set along with Cam, like you just saw in the old days. And it was like a whole lot of fun, you know. And,
1: and I, I look a, forward to Chuba Dallas Hubbard and money. uh Chris McCaffrey being Jonathan Stewart, and D'Angelo Williams almost a little bit too. Thank a little you. smash and dash with their little with their waving back and forth after the end zone. Chris McCaffrey could basically play receiver before he's run a read option with Chuba Hubbard and the, or like an RPO with Chris McCaffrey on a halfback angle. Like there's there's a lot of fun they could have with there. Plus, you have DJ Moore and, have you did you see the look on Robbie Anderson's face when Cam Newton was on the field too like, He looked miserable the last month or so with Sam Darnold and PJ Walker. As soon as Cam throws the ball, I've never seen him smile like that. And he had a rapport with Sam Darnold going back to their Jets days. So yeah, I, I just love this is gonna be great. I look forward to what this team could do in the second half of the season. It could be an aberration because it was a Cardinals team with injuries across the board, no nuke, no Kyler Murray, et cetera. But it was at least fun to watch again. It wasn't miserable, it wasn't ghosts, and it was it didn't look messy, it didn't look imploding. It looks like a young team having fun again with a wily old leader at the quarterback spot who has been underrated in recent years. Honestly, last year, the new England aberration, they did him dirty. You see what the offense they're running this year for Mac Jones. Cam Newton can run that offense. He is better oh, yeah. when he gets the ball out of his hands quickly. Everyone gets enamored with him as a big play quarterback. That's not him at his best. It's spread everything out and just get the ball out of his hands. If he doesn't like his quick two reads, he bolts. That's when he's at his best. Instead of throw. the corner route is usually his best deep, th- his best deep pass. Yeah. He can throw the deep ball, but it's not his strongest suit, if that makes sense Too, like waiting for deep routes to develop, isn't his strongest game. So I yeah, think noon could thrive. What Mac Jones is doing here with Carolina. I think he'll be just fine. Look, I'm glad
2: somebody else said it. Cause I've, <laughs> I, I, I'm tired of hearing myself say things and I don't, I don't get, I don't grow tired of hearing myself talk very often. So uh, this is the one st- subject that I do grow tired of hearing myself talk about it though, is, is when it comes to the Panthers and what they did to, to cam, it was like, let's just throw him at the, throw at them at the lions and see what happens. Like, We are going to throw him at this other defensive line and let him go into a bunch of car crashes time and time again. And we're going to make it work that way. But Mac Jones is there, and it's like, let's dink and dump.
1: Oh, okay. What? No, okay. And he also has weapons, which Cam did not have any of last year. Like Last year was the worst set of weapons we've probably ever seen on an NFL roster. Arguably, maybe not that bad, just considering there was a lot of injuries too. But it was not good. It was not nearly what it is this year. So, great for Cam. I love seeing him back in Carolina. It just feels right. Like I feel like I'm turning baby blue in the face just thinking about it.
2: Oh man, I might have to break out my old, uh, my, my Panthers wristbands and things that I have from uh, my, my visit to Carolina for hmm. non-football related reasons.
1: <laughs> you're you're going to say keep pounding now is just your answer to everything as well too. Like uh-huh. Alabama fans say roll tide, you're be keep pounding and you're not even a really a Panthers fan. I,
2: I might have to replace my my board with just constant uh, keep pounding hmm. uh, memes. And, and you know, how fitting by the way that we've made the number one person on the countdown for our, our time for fourth and four. That's Cam Newton, and now he's back in, in in the Carolina one. So go go figure how that works
1: out. It worked out into existence, but that'll take us. Who's your second high? I'm really curious. It's gonna be hard to top that one.
2: Well, it's a team that has been struggling mightily, and finally didn't lose the game. They still can go 0 and 16 and one. What is the Detroit Lions? Congratulations, Detroit Lions! I have been picking you in our pick 'em week after week after week after week after, after week me. after week after bye week after week and finally you didn't let me down you didn't help me any but you didn't let me down (laughs) and that's the most important part is they finally pulled something out and and more for them too i mean look congratulations to 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 head coach matt campbell like dan
0: campbell
2: Campbell, sorry why do i always call Matt? matt matt i I guess i wanted matt campbell to be to be the head coach there instead (laughs) but uh look dan campbell was uh congratulations him he's he's that kind of quintessential like players coach that you always kind of root for a little bit in the back of your head like you want to see him succeed, just because he he'll put out as much as the players will put out, and so you've seen what he's been putting out so far. That means players are giving him 102. hundred too, and, and then it, it's just a good time. It's just good to see. I honestly, yeah, it was sloppy. It was a terribly ugly game. If you're a Steelers fan, you're you're like, shut <laughs> up, Kelsey. Can we move on? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to. That, this is the moment. This is the moment that that the finally the Lions deserve, and they they deserve a little bit of their five minutes in spotlight because yeah, it's fantastic.
1: Absolutely. And for, for one, for the Steelers, that should count as three losses, honestly, for being honest. Like, that should not just count as a tie for them. I mean, if it's going to, we're going to count as a half a win for the Lions, basically, it's a couple of losses for the Steelers as well. It was one of the ugliest games we've ever seen. Sure. But if you're Detroit, you got to build somewhere. We talked about this as the worst team across the board, basically. I mean, they have a few players, but there's not a whole lot to work with. They're in a full rebuild, like from top to bottom, basically. Dan Campbell, the ultimate, he's like what Doc Rivers is in the NBA, like the ultimate players coach, is how I look at him as well, too. If you give him coordinators, because football, you need the coordinators. This guy's a limit. You to get him ready to play. You just need a few, I think, X's and O's guys that the coordinators would really help him out. And that's not say he doesn't know X's and O's. It's just complementing your strength with a different strength, if you will, basically. And th- it was fun to see them get going. And they play Cleveland this week in Cleveland. So we'll see if the reeling Browns, maybe they could pick up their first win or if the Browns use the Lions to bounce back. That'll be an interesting matchup as well to see because the Browns, they're kind of reeling. Maybe Detroit comes in and strikes at the right time. You never know. I don't think Cleveland
2: fans could handle a loss to Detroit right now. Cleveland oh, fans no. are already they're already struggling out here, man. And then obviously they're not, in, they're not in my highs and lows and, and they're not in yours. So, I mean, just like, dude, they are, they are struggling, especially after seeing Odell take, get his season high in touches and targets and, and yards all against the, uh, in his first appearance on Monday night. Like,
1: yeah. That's... I mean, he surpassed what he did last time he was in a Browns uniform in the first quarter. I mean, it was only two catches with 13 yards. I mean, it's, but it's still like his third best performance of the year. Like it's absolutely yeah. crazy that that's in 13 plays. Like, it's it's not looking good. I mean, it's not looking good for gloom. But we're on the highs right now. So, who is your third yeah. and final high of the week?
2: Oh, so my third and final high. This one has been a long, long time coming. Obviously, there's been the whole debacle of last season's March Madness, not allowing the women's tournament to use March Madness as their moniker, and then there was a then there's been a a uh, search and investigation into this whole misogynistic moment for the NCAA is the lack of a better term, not allowing the women's teams to use the same monikers and use the same type of tools that the men's teams have been able to do. Well, this is being solved. They're now allowed to use the term March Madness for women's, the women's tournament this year, as well as extending the teams from the 64 to the 68 as well. So they have the same exact tournament as the men's do now, which is, Oh wait, what, by the way, should have always happened. It only took forever in a day. Hmm. Like why the March Madness thing is, was the biggest thing to me. I was like seeing them not be able to use the term March Madness for what has been, what was one of the most maddening brackets I have ever built for a women's basketball tournament in in, in NCAA because there were just teams didn't make sense. It didn't make sense last year. It It was the definition of madness as I tried to pick, I tried to pick a winner in the women's March Madness tournament. And yeah, South Carolina let me down. They didn't slow it down, (laughs) but it it was quintessential madness. And they finally get to use the term this year. So good for them. It's, it's a long time coming. It's just, honestly, I shouldn't shouldn't be celebrating this because it should have already happened, but here we are. We have to celebrate because it is not, it had not been happening for so long and, and just, you know, another thing that we can check off a box of, of, all right, we're getting,
1: we're getting closer. Hey, better better late than never. I guess sometimes too. You prefer not to be late, but it's better than never happening. And honestly, it's an underrated high considering most people don't know that the women couldn't use March Madness as their moniker. Because when people talk March Madness, they usually just put them both together. Most people don't quite quite realize the difference in that as well too. Besides, people with keen eyes, I guess, well like that too, or people who are completely ingrained in it. But to the casual bracket filler, they didn't they don't realize that they're like, oh wow, the women's March Madness bracket was crazy. Did you see that? It doesn't quite click to them as well too. That's how. Kind of ridiculous it is too. I mean, the fact that they weren't able to use it. So getting one step closer, and there's still a couple years ago with that whole, oh, they can't look at our weight room compared to theirs. Like that's yeah. oh I'm man. Thinking. The the COVID look, COVID was the best thing to happen for
2: the women's March Madness tournament. Like honestly, it really thing. was because it literally <laughs> enlightened the world to how much different it is for their tournament versus the men's. You have a weight room that is three bar bo- or three racks versus the men's entire gymnasium worth of weight rooms like a weight weight sets like come on that's number one the food choices were completely different the dietary team that there was assigned to it chose wrong hmm. uh, on the foods the gift baskets were completely different same sponsors completely different gift baskets uh and and then when you consider just from a marketing standpoint the term march madness when you hear that what do you think of you think of excitement you think of crazy game winners you think of the Cinderella stories, right? You think of, oh, God, my bracket's already broken five minutes into it. And then on the women's court, there is women's tournament, women's Sweet 16, women's Final Four, women's championship. Never women's March Madness Sweet 16, women's March Madness Final Four, women's March Madness Final, like championship game. It was never any of that. They never got to use it in their marketing. And so they lost out just in terms of a term being used in their marketing plan on millions of dollars, just based off of the usage of the, that word. Every time that word popped up, if you search it, it's never going to include Women's March Madness until now.
1: Absolutely. So good. one step, a couple of good steps forward as well, too. A little late, but it's a good it's a good thing to have. It's a good way to lighten up our highs, like a good positive note on our highs yeah. as well, too. As basketball is tipping off as well, too, so definitely something to keep an eye out for. Maybe we'll be doing some NCAA Women's March Madness come color cast later in the year. We'll have to wait and see, but there's definitely going to be plenty of games to choose from absolutely we, we have plenty of time with that one
2: but that does take us dj as we hit the halfway point in the in the show to the other half of our main event and that's the lows so what's your first low
1: Hold on let me just play the world's smallest violin really quick for this segment coming up as well too to, or now that we got that out of the way i'm gonna start with who we saw on monday night i'm looking at matthew stafford and the rams as a whole obviously you can't win them all there's some rough games it's a division game but Matthew Stafford look, has looked like Detroit Lions Matthew Stafford the last two weeks. He looks like the guy that, oh, he has some great flashy plays. He does some great things here and there. You, their talent's there. But he sometimes is a bonehead. To some of the throws, like the arm punt early in the game, it's like, what are you thinking? And then just kind of getting skittish in the pocket, running down the line of scrimmage, then throwing it out of bounds. Just, just some boneheaded moves that you kind of are like, oh, I'm pushing too hard. I'm pushing too hard. But it's not just his fault. He's lumped in there in combination of, two, of the last two weeks. I'm including that spinning around Carson, almost Carson Wentz looking past as intercepted. Then the pick six to Kevin Byard, like that in the Titans game. And I'm including that, but it's also the Rams that have completely ignored all balance whatsoever in the force. They have gone full Anakin Skywalker here and just ditched the light side. And they've gone to pass heavy to a fault. It was like 43 to eight at one point, pass to run ratio. I get it. You have Odell and it's fun, even though he was on a very, very major snap count. Basically, I know you have Cooper Cup, who is Cooper Cup. That's all need to be said about him. Tyler Higby, when he's not dropping the ball and bouncing it off his chest for an interception, is pretty good as well, too. Van Jefferson is nice when he's that third, fourth receiver hybrid, but when he's your number two, you were kind of limited in pass catches. your first game without Robert Woods, and you found out Friday, after practice Friday, too, because he still practiced on that torn ACL. This wasn't like you had time to prepare. You know Odell did not have time to prepare. You did absolutely no favors by forcing Matthew Stafford to throw how many times against an underrated defense. I know the 49ers have been kind of a miserable team this year overall, but that defense has still been quite good for the most part. I know they just got ran out of the building by the Cardinals a week ago, which is how this NFL season continues to make absolutely no sense An undermanned Cardinals team. But you know, this team is the one team that Sean McVay has struggled against in the division. He's beat the Cardinals every single time except once. He has a winning record against Seattle and a losing record against Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. It's the weirdest matchup for them. You knew what you were going into kind of limited offensively, and you ignored Henderson. You ignored sony michelle you didn't do any favors your play action was literally just playing there was no action to it no one fell for it really like matthew Stafford, it just made matthew's turn his back to the defense so it's a combination of a super bowl favorite with a premier list of a list weapons but all the b and c guys are they can't they didn't show up to play and they those A guys got to pick up a bigger bigger portion of the load if the b and c guys aren't going to show up as well and that includes sean mcmahon the coordinators they got to they got to get going raheem morris you are a fantastic defensive coordinator, but your defense has been getting absolutely blasted the last two weeks. Aaron Donald is a splash in the pan. It feels like Jalen Ramsey. I don't see him playing man to man hardly ever. They are using him as a zone, basically zone guy. It seems like, even though you put him in the nickel, which is smart, but you don't use him as a nickel corner like how the Colts use Kenny Moore or the or the Bengals and Browns or the Browns would use Troy Hill, for example. Like they're not using nickel corners. I use nickel corners. Mike Hilton on the Bengals that would blitz on occasion or man up the slot while he plays zone every. It, it doesn't make sense. It's kind of weird. I'm no defense coordinator, so I'm not trying to act like I know everything. But it feels like a waste of your premier talent and leaving your other guys kind of in a wet spot, if you will. I know Von Miller's probably going to get better moving forward. He played on his first game back after the ankle injury. You're maybe counting on a little more for him, which he's a Super Bowl MVP pass rusher. I'm sure he will give you more as the season goes on. Him and Aaron Don will cover up a lot of those players. Just the pet pressure will get on quarterbacks down the stretch. But these last two weeks have not been pretty. And I don't. I hope it's just a sputter, and then next week will be like. All right, the Rams are back. They're a high again. Hopefully I can rechange this sentence all of next week. But Matthew Stafford's yeah. MVP case, the M no longer stands for Matthew in MVP. And the Rams as a whole have been, they kind of ran themselves into the wall, if you will.
2: Yeah, look, you mentioned the running game. It gets completely it. The nine total rushes, I believe, eight total rushes. Uh, and each one was a positive
1: of at least five yards or more. They didn't
2: have a single rush that go for less than five yards, I believe.
1: Was it that's actually insane. that high? I didn't even think, I didn't realize it was that effective. I knew like they didn't have any negative runs, but if it was really that high, that's even more blasphemous.
2: Yeah. Like, I, I, well, okay. So it falls down. Matt Stafford had one run. i uh, just looking at the stat. Okay. That eliminates the five yards per carry. Average. Wait,
1: if you take that one out, then yeah, it's okay. Yeah.
2: But, it, but exactly. It, it's, it's still like it's, it's eight rushes for over si- for over 55 or for over 60 yards. And that's uh, close to about five and a half yards a, ga- a carry. I believe if, if I'm doing the math, right. But that's, that's insane, like and you just go away from it. And we we talked about it during – yeah, we talked about it during the game. It was – you know, if they got 20 rushes, at least 20 rushes, they would win the game easily. If they got 15 rushes, it would be a little more competitive a game, but you'd still feel like they win the game, and they just went away from it. And then also the Jalen Ramsey thing, man, that's so frustrating. You're getting toasted by Debo Samuel, and you're putting him on Jennings and Brandon Ayuk, who's been in the doghouse the entire time. You're not even putting him on Kittle. Who would make sense? No, you're putting him on Jennings, the third string receiver, fourth string receiver, tech, fifth string receiver, technically, because they use the running backs more than they use Jennings. And, and then Ayuk, going. who's technically the fourth string receiver, because they use the running backs more than him. Like that's it's ridiculous. I I can't believe Jalen Ramsey. It, it, he you talk all this talk about being the best corner. Eventually, you got to take the the bull by the horns and go be the best corner. Go beat the best receiver on the other team.
1: And that's why I kind of called out Raheem Morris. You bring in Jalen Ramsey for and give him the Brinks truck, and you don't utilize his best skill set, which is locking up man 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 to man cover, like basically one on one situations well. Too big. All right, try and scheme him up, and we still trust him to make the tackle. He's one of the best tackling corners in the game. He could be an All Pro safety once his late once he starts to get older in his career as well. Too like he is a fantastic skill set, and you're not utilizing any of it. He's might be the best man to man corner in the game. There's splitting hairs across the board. There's got, There's plenty of other guys, but you take away his strongest skill set. It's like when Nambiasma signed with the Eagles. I'm like, uh. Play a deep zone, but n- never look at your receiver and never touch them. He's just like, what? And then he's the last of no man's. It's not that bad because Jalen Ramsey is still very good, but you're taking away his best skill set by not letting him chase others. I know your other corners probably can't play him. You maybe don't trust Darius Williams quite as much to play man and some of those other guys, as we saw what Debo Samuel was doing to them. But at one point, you got back Jalen. You follow him and play man. Everybody else sit in your cover two shell or your cover four shell or whatever it is and just have like him as... How they have like the star player in college or like that yeah, that, yeah. that random play, linebacker safety hybrid thing? Just let Jalen Ramsey chase him around, and if they do some pick plays, you have zones across the board to maybe help and fit bracket that sort of thing. Play some match. I think we saw against the Cowboys when the Broncos were very successful. They did a cover one rat concept, which it means that is if, as a guy crosses the field. Basically, if there's a cover one, there's the guy in the middle that middle hook zone. If there's a crossing route, he basically t- takes the man, and the guy who's playing man substitutes into that hook zone do something like that to help get with Jalen Ramsey. If you're worried about them using pick plays to run away or something like that, just find Anything. ways to help out, use your best weapon to help out everybody else. That's what I'm The Rams are really missing.
2: Anything would have been better, but that does it with the Rams. So moving on to your next low, DJ.
1: This Go one hurts down. because they were my, I had the preseason MVP on this team and I thought they were going to be the number one team in the east I'm looking at the Atlanta Hawks and right now they're not even in the playoffs. They're outside the top eight. If I'm, I think they're even outside the top 10. They have a sub 500 record. Trey Young did have a 40 and 12 and eight, almost triple dub not to a couple games ago, but they have they just don't look right. There's something wrong with them. Hunter is once again hurt, and it looks like he's gonna be out for about eight weeks. A big loss for them with DeAndre Hunter. John Collins just got paid. He's been solid, but not quite. We love John Collins almost to a fault, probably. So maybe that's why my expectations are too unreasonably high, Clint Capella. What we saw for them and during that playoff run, I thought was going to carry over into this season because they found something during that run. With Trey Young is a Tony Parker 2.0, as I call him, and I will stand by that when he's at his best. He is Tony Parker 2.0. Oh, yeah. And then John Collins is basically looking like Sean Kemp half the time flying through the damn sky. Same with same with Clint Capella. They, it's not there anymore. Nate McMillan got a much deserved extension, and it's early in the season. So I hate putting back NBA full teams on highs and lows this early in the season, but we're almost 20 games in and you're not at a 500 record at least. And I had such high expectations. And I've heard Trey Young's one of those guys who's been outspoken about the new rule change saying, like, Well, now they're just beating us up. Like almost like he was expecting to get foul calls this year.
2: How, how terrible that you actually have to get, you know, hit a little bit. Like you're, you know, the, the guys you used to idolize, you know, growing up. Well, I guess he's so young. He might've idolized Steph. So never
1: mind. But, and at the same time with Trey, I'm like your game, when it was at its best last year, was that floater avoiding all contact whatsoever. That mid range jump shot coming off the pick and then the step back three off of that. So they've been a little disappointing early. I'm not doubting. They're going to pick it up. It's we're we're doing highs and lows at this point in the season and because my expectations were so high for the Hawks, they've been their wings have been clipped so far and it's yeah. kind of been a letdown cuz i expected so much from them and Trey Young just hasn't been quite as explosive. I thought he was going to be at a 28 and 9 and 5 type of guy right now. I thought he was going to be almost like Steph Curry well, what Steph Curry is doing right now. Honestly. I thought that was going to be Trey Young type of thing, but we'll see if they can get a turnaround. but right now it hasn't been the prettiest sight. And I, and it's a little bit oh, cuz i just i was looking forward to that playoff Hawks team for a full season. Yeah, and and looking at it, it looks eerily similar to
2: kind of how they were last year. They were one and eight away, five and one at home, right now Uh, six and nine total on the season. They're actually up right now on about with a quarter and fourth quarter against the Celtics, but they're up by ten points right now. Uh, Whether that stays or not, we'll we'll see. But there's seven minutes to play in that one, so Um, but they have a chance to go to seven and nine and bump up to about the ten spot, which would be the playoff play in spot, but. Yeah, it doesn't look good, but it does look a lot like last year where they're just away from home. They're just not good. Uh, yeah, you know, you you playing you playing play that home arena, it, it gets you some some
1: lovey dovey's. But but uh, away, it's not so nice. I'm just gonna say, I really hope it doesn't continue because I have high expectations for this team, and I hope they do get a chance to meet them because I think they could be a really good team. And I've seen them in like the seventh, eighth spot in the play, and that I think that's gonna that's a rough spot for them to climb out of particular. I think they would do their best as one of those top four or five seeds as well. So hopefully they can get a turnaround just for the fun of the league. So I think that means Trey young is going to be hooping if they do. Absolutely. So that'll take us to your final. Well, what you got for me? Well, we talked about the college football playoff earlier. One team that will not be participating is the Oklahoma Sooners and in part, no small part because Lincoln Riley, and he continues. He has the ultimate street credit, Oklahoma. He is basically locked in as long as he wants. But he has been kind of disappointing in recent memory. I mean, we had, everyone talks about what he did with those three, two Heisman Trophy winners back-to-back in almost a third with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, just taking all these transfers and turning them into number two number one overall picks, and then Jalen Hurts, who is now a starting quarterback in the NFL. But your own recruits, Spencer Rattler, I mean, my goodness, he went from no, number one pick before the season to is he even going to play college football again because they were talking about him just training for the draft, to is he going to transfer to... You brought him in for two two series in a third quarter against Baylor. He got you a half a first down, it felt like. And then you benched him again for Caleb Williams, who, true freshman, ups and downs, do you expect to see that. I mean, he's he was definitely not a guy you wanted to throw in right away. He wasn't one of those guys that was ready right as a true freshman, but you had to do what you had to do because the Spencer Rattler thing was not working. And then Lincoln Riley just doesn't seem to be handling it very well. If you notice, he seems to take other quarterbacks that have like a year in the system, turn them into superstars. And their mm-hmm. recruiting hasn't been nearly strong. You don't see a day Westbrook. I mean, they have some really good players. I like Marvin Mims. I think he's going to be good, but he's not dating Westbrook. He's not Mark Andrews. He's not Hollywood Brown. There's, there's something, there's a weird disconnect there. I mean, Trey Sermon was a stud for them and they let him go to Ohio state. Like they're just Oklahoma. We're seeing them slowly start to drop down. This is right after you said, Hey, we want to go play in the sec. You have enough big, you have enough troubles in the big 12 right now. Let's let's reel that in a little bit. And he's the biggest thing about it was him kind of making a big scene at the end of the game because of the field goal attempt, the timeout and all that stuff, which. Was messy and we call that game live. It was kind of, I don't want to say bush league, but it was kind of it was weenie esque, if you will. But he made bush league. I'll say I'll be the one to say it because yeah, I'll say it it was bush league. The reasoning kind of made sense loosely with the ten point Big Twelve tiebreaker, all that, but it was it was a weenie Hud Junior move to say the least. And I just that was the biggest stink he made the entire game. He didn't. That was the most energy he put in the entire game. The rest of the time he was just kind of like it looked like he didn't know what he was doing. It looked like he was starting to lose his grip a little bit. And he's still an offensive a quarterback genius type type guy a mastermind but he's losing a little bit of that steam there's talk about him being the cowboys coach a couple years ago when mike mccarthy came in they were talking about him him possibly going to the cowboys that ship sailed i don't think any nfl team's looking him right now like we want that guy as our head coach maybe no see or a quarterback coach but and then there's talk on going to lsu now which that would be actually something we could get the lsu we'll give you a taste of the sec life if you want it but it i don't like what's been going on the last couple years at oklahoma they're going to be perennially a top 10 team they're still going to get those elite recruits but they've fallen off a little bit since the Baker Mayfield, Sam Bradford, DeMarco Murray, like what it, what it once was at the end of Bob Stoops, the early part of Lincoln Riley, starting a downward trend that I'm worried they're going to have almost a Clemson or an LSU dip, minus that Joe Burrow year with LSU. Obviously, they had that one spike that flipped everything around, but we kind of saw LSU after that national championship lost to Alabama. The is the same year that it was 9-3 in the regular season, that absolute travesty of an offensive game. LSU basically kind of nosedived after that, and I'm worried oh, we're about to see the same thing from Oklahoma. Yeah, like
2: uh, this is this Oklahoma is ugly. Uh, there's no doubt about it. it it's, uh, I personally can't wait till they join the SEC. Um, you know, as a, as a fan of of SEC football, I, I personally can't wait till they get slapped around by the SEC and and get taught a little lesson that you, hey, you maybe you should have stayed in the Big Twelve and and enjoyed it, or maybe gone to the Pac-12 where you.
1: And the Texas are in for a rough time as well too. And honestly, it just makes the it it'll just kind of ruin it too. They'll lose all of their luster. They're going to lose a lot of recruits because a lot of recruits go there for the Big 12 because they know they know the way they're played. That gives them a chance to get to the playoff because the SEC is going to be three teams at the top and the rest are going to kind of just kill each other. The Big 12, you win the Big 12, you have a good shot and you're not getting ran into by another team and you get a chance to any given Sunday, basically. Exactly. Like that's, and the Big 12, I think, has been better for like offensive skill positions, if that makes sense. Obviously, Alabama and LSU's receivers would like to have a word with me. But I'm looking at, like, the running backs out of the Big 12 and some of the receivers. You've seen some really good talent come out of there in recent years, especially, weirdly enough, the running backs. As weird as this very passing conference, I don't think they're going to want to go to Oklahoma or Texas if they go to the SEC because it's a different type of play style that will not show off their skills quite as much. Like, Dejon Robinson, I don't think he's going to want to go there if they're in the SEC So He's going to look at big back, like, well, the Big 12 is more conducive for my play style, so... We'll yeah. see. I could be reaching a little bit there. I might be throwing, might be throwing a net into a dry empty pool on that one, but we'll see. I don't like to move all together for Oklahoma. It feels like they're in a slow disintegration that could be capped off. If you will, once they run into, if they go to that sec switch in a couple of years. Oh yeah. It's, it's not going to be pretty at all. Well, that thing um, that does it for my Debbie down or lows, Kelsey, what do you have for us for the lows?
2: So we're going to start with a team that has been through all the lows this season, <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders. And now it's turned into on the field lows. Uh, this yeah it's not been pretty um will we'll see if they can re- recover coming up this this next week as they take on the Bengals but man the the team I saw on the field this last weekend against the Chiefs just did not look good it, it, it did not look good at all it was just all over the place that defense was just full of holes Max Crosby was a bright spot but he just can't get to the quarterback still he is still just a f- step shy of getting to the quarterback every single time and that's not good enough. You need you need to be able to actually, you know, make contact with the quarterback occasionally. Um, so we'll see what they're able to do. But right now, the Raiders are are one of my lows. Just man, it is it's finally all starting to, to 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 take place on the field now, and and it's yeah, it's it's unfortunate for a team where I still think Derek Carr, if he could rattle off an undefeated rest of his season, could potentially make it make his name for himself in the MVP case. But he would have to rattle off wins for the rest of the season. he can they could not lose another game.
1: Not to mention, too, it feels like they're just missing a lot of playmakers in general. Like, you see, even though Damon Arnett was not a great corner, that's a loss of depth as well, too, with him being gone. Rugs being gone, you see they brought in Deshaun Jackson to fill that role, and he immediately fumbles from lack of awareness and basically gives up a touchdown and one of the biggest come-on-man bonehead moments of the season, and probably since he threw the ball out before he crossed the end zone against the Cowboys back on Monday Night Football back in the day. An absolutely weird, I don't I'm, I am I'm just going to leave that one as it is. They don't really have a head coach. Obviously, their fill-in coach has done an admirable job, what you can expect. But it's you're still missing a head coach nonetheless, someone to basically keep everything in line without having to – that can handle all of the duties instead of just doing his duties and everybody else's. Hmm. You see cards. Basically, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Shoot, Darren Waller's double team. Shoot, Henry, Hunter Renfro's bracketed. He has. He, sometimes Brian Edwards shows up and makes a big play. He's very talented. Sometimes Zay Jones randomly pops out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, yeah, Zay Jones, he's a player. Yeah. Yeah the offensive line, all of those holes. We saw how many false starts in key situations from the right tackle and Alex Leatherwood at right guard. Now your first round pick being forced to play right guard. Unfortunately, he's a very good talented player. I like him better at guard, but that was your first round pick. And it didn't really fill one of the holes you had. I mean, Richie incognito. We haven't seen a lot of, you clearly miss Rodney Hudson. Still. You clearly miss Trent Brown. Like they are not quite, they are not the same unit they had last year and starting it. They overachieved a lot early on. Josh Jacobs doesn't look quite the same either. It looks like he's, I don't know if it's the offensive line or if he's just a little bit off. Kenyon Drake's taken. It seems like he's slowed down a little bit. So the team as a whole just seems a little bit off. And all of those holes are really, really coming to roost. Yeah, absolutely.
2: It's uh, it's, just, it's just been ugly. Uh, truthfully, it has just been. Absolutely. So I'll take <laughs> yeah. us now to your second low. What are we looking at for there? So this one is a cemetery, to say the least, and a stadium where I have just. I've talked about way too much. Uh, hmm. I, for a stadium that's in the NFC East that is at this point in time, it's not known for the play on the field. It's known for the knees and Achilles and ankles and lower leg injuries that it, ha- it causes. I mean, there's this is literally a graveyard of top-tier players that have been taken out year after year after year after year, the most recent being Chase Young. And I've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. Just replace the turf, replace the field, get rid of the field, mm-hmm. do anything. Like You're already renaming the franchise. Get a new stadium, whether it be in Virginia whether it be in Washington, uh, you know, uh, Maryland, like do what you have to do, like do something, but get a new stadium soon Because this is, this is terrible. This is just awful. I'm tired of seeing big players get injured there. The difference between Chase Young's injury and Joe Burrow's injury was two yards on the location of the field. The same side of the field, two yard separation between the two. That's it. It's the same exact area, which is about five yards away from where Alex Smith tore, tore his completely, almost died actually,
1: where his leg exploded basically, yeah.
2: and then and that's about four yards away from where Robert Griffin the Third's career ended, before our eyes.
1: And let's also throw on to Adrian Peterson when he got his ACL torn there as well, too. Like the list goes on and on. FedEx should be, should be called first aid field at this point, too, considering yeah. how many damn injuries they have. And if FedEx and they want to rebuild the field, I will use FedEx like four times in a row. I will help co-fund that. And we will all buy a FedEx package. If it means you will build a new field in time for next season, it could be in the exact same spot. You just tear everything currently down there and build something on top of it with that's conducive to not knees exploding. Like It's exactly. been absolutely ridiculous how many injuries have happened there and A lot of players complain it is the field, too. This isn't just, like, hyperbole. There's something – that field is – I don't know if it's a groundwork, if it's a turf, what it is, but there's something with that field where when you're running and planting, it's almost like you try and move and your leg goes the other way. And we've played – we both have played on turf and grass before. You could tell the difference between good grass, good turf, and bad grass and bad turf. Like, you could tell when one's a practice field for a middle school in the middle of rural Montana or some crap, and when one's an NFL stadium turf. And FedEx Field's not the latter. Well it's, here's
2: what's funny to me is is when you when you look at the FedEx look at FedEx Field at the end of the season and compare it to the old uh McAfee Coliseum where the Oakland Raiders used to play, which was a baseball field. When they have to replace more divots in a grass stadium than they do in a stadium that is made up of half dirt, then you have a problem. Like when there is more dirt on the field than a half dirt field, you have a problem. And that's that's gonna be where I leave that conversation at. And it should just be abolished. The FedEx Field, bye, goodbye. Go into the annals of history. We will never forget you.
1: A football field with a diamond on it was more sufficient than an NFL field that is only used once a week. Basically, that's all that really needs to be told about that. So, FedEx Field, first aid field, whatever you want to call it. I mean, ambulance arena. There is plenty of other
2: practice arena.
1: Like whatever you want to call it, this field ACLs are us. There's a whole lot of issues going on there. But that's going to take us to your third and final low, Kelsey. What are we looking at? Auburn fans. Oh, this I'm one hits you say, home. Like you're not even ripping this bandaid off real quick. No, yeah, I'm just,
2: uh, I'm just gonna say I'm sorry. Uh, Auburn fans have had so many years of hope and 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 demise. Just, it, it's just it, it. They for some reason Auburn fans are the most hopeful fans in the world, and they never should be. I'm sorry, Auburn fans. You should never be this hopeful ever again. Uh, Bo Nix broke his ankle and played three quarters with a broken ankle instead of putting in J T Finley, who is a very viable, cap- viable quarterback and then they get beat by 43 or get beat by giving up 43 unanswered points tell me where it makes sense it doesn't and the fact is auburn's probably going to end this season about seven and six seven and five i believe um if they're lucky maybe six and six if they're unlucky um who knows what about to happen but yeah for auburn fans low is just because they just have to deal with this year after year after year it doesn't change coaches doesn't doesn't matter It's just something in the Auburn mantra that unless we're going for a national championship, they don't care. You basically took a whole lot of steam out of the iron bowl right there. I mean, damn guy. It means it literally (laughs) means nothing that now, like literally means zero because that were the only way it means anything is if Alabama loses their next game, which they're not going to do. And then Auburn could walk in there and win. Auburn still has to beat South Carolina this week, which I don't even know is possible. So like, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll have to see. But right now, Auburn fans, I'm just sorry. That's, That's why you're on my low is because I'm sorry. We have to go through this together. And on
1: on, on top of it too, to add to it, you talked about the Bo Nix experience. It's up, it's down. You never know what you're going to get on top of that. You have to watch Auburn transfer Malik Willis at Liberty, possibly play himself into a first round pick of a quarterback with almost no talent around him. Obviously he has his ups and downs in college football, but he has a lot of intangibles that you do not find very often. He has a lot of those elite traits that has NFL scouts looking at him like, could that be Josh Allen? Could that be a Michael Vick? Could we have something here? Like he's probably going to get taken early in the first round of this NFL draft barring, some whole tomfoolery moving in the back end of the season in the draft process if he decides to come out. But that's a guy that could be suiting up and be spaying War Eagle right now. And you never know when you give him some sec caliber players like a Tank Bigsby. Obviously, the receivers aren't exactly lighting the world up, but it's better than what you have at Liberty. Look, I'll say this. He is my
2: number one quarterback going into the draft cycle right now. We'll see what happens with the workouts. So that tells you where I'm at with him. Uh, He is obviously, I've been a long time fan of Malik Willis. And Auburn did him dirty. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. And again, Auburn fans. This gets to those again. I'm just gonna say I'm sorry. So. But that'll do us with our highs, though. That does the main
0: event. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was
1: only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true.
0: Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.
2: That'll take us into Crunch Time presented by Swift Lifestyles. And if you guys haven't checked out Swift Lifestyles, go do so. Link is in our bio. It is the healthy alternative to all those mixed drinks, all those pre-workouts. And it doesn't give you those weird jittery after
1: effects. Absolutely. You don't itch. And you can even take a dry scoop and then just swash it down away if you want to. And it won't feel like you just ate a complete pile of branded powdered sugar anything ridiculous like that it's not like doing a cinnamon challenge if you wanted to dry scoop it quickly as well too so definitely give it a try you won't regret it as well too they got some good flavors bubblegum blue raspberry and if we get enough with that discount code maybe we'll make our own flyer we'll have a little bit of high a little bit of low it'd be the sour patch kids maybe as well. well go with something something like that as well too if we get to that point we'll let you guys pick it but kelsey we're in crunch time what's on your mind what's well, this is where we do rants recaps and rankings i think you gotta rant to yourself crunch away what do you got for us i don't know what to call this but it's mike mccarthy's <laughs> motivational tactic
2: Aka the thing on my mind is called anti monkey butt anti friction powder. I can't make this up. I literally can't do anything but make this. Like this is a real life story for Mike McCarthy. After and he he is quoted in saying McCarthy said, "I don't want to get into my personal hygiene here, but R A W Red Ass Week was the topic of our week of preparing for this game." And so I popped the, the anti monkey butt on the counter and said, "This is what we're going to do to prepare next week." I don't, I don't know why it worked. Why did it, does this, is this is this is the is this the mystery is this the mystery monkey is this the rally monkey version of for for Dallas? Like, is this their rally monkey? Is anti monkey butt? anti itch cream like is this going to be the new sponsor for the Dallas Cowboys
1: is this their version of KFC's 15 herbs and spices secret seasoning is this what it is for the Cowboys like did we just did what just happened here like did Mike McCarthy just crack the code that we didn't know we wanted cracked no pun intended with crack
2: I I literally don't get this at all but you can't make it up Mike McCarthy inventing new ways to make news in Dallas where (laughs) there's never a, 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 a a down a downturn in news where it seems like there just seems to be always something and this one the most unique story i think i've ever heard
1: i hope we never hear anything quite like the skin honestly because i don't think i'm ever going to recover from this i don't i think i just went full tiger king will never recover from this
2: all right well that does it for for my my take just because that was just silly that (laughs) was the the silliest thing i saw so dj i do know you have a little bit of a, a an axe to grind with a certain uh group out there
1: I'm going directly at college game day. There was a lot of talk of where they're going to go for this weekend in college game day. There was a talk of going to Columbus for Michigan State versus Ohio State. Big time matchup. Obviously wonderful. You go to those games every year. The other option was the Brawl of the Wild in Montana with Montana versus Montana State. Two FCS powerhouses with a three versus seven as well, too. People forget FCS has playoffs, too, and they have an actual playoff with, if I'm not mistaken, it is 24 of 32 teams. So they bring a full rack, and this has potential first-round buys written all over it. Montana State's ranked number three. Montana's ranked number seven. Montana wins. They both end up with buys. Montana State wins. They might end up as the number one seed overall in FCS. And for those of you who don't know, FCS includes guys like Carson, where North Dakota State, where Carson went to Trey Lance, went to University of Northern Iowa. James Madison is leaving, but they've been a perennial powerhouse in there as well, too. South, South Southern Utah. There is so many really good underrated schools in FCS. That sent a lot of players to the NFL, too. There's small school guys that make a big burst. And go for those of you watching on the live stream, here's what one of those helmets kind of looks like loosely. It was to be played in Missoula, Montana, where you can go ahead and look it up. Tony Romo, Carson Wentz, plenty of other of those players have said it is the loudest stadium they've ever played to, saying it is louder than even the Seattle 12th man, a place that where the capacity is 23,000 and their maximum is the, what the stadium capacity is. Yet the maximum game capacity is still somehow 25, almost 26,000. We were fortunate enough. We actually got to go there. And Carson Wentz's final loss as a college football player was in Missoula during a game where ESPN actually broadcasted because it was the first kickoff game before the rest of of everyone else's season kicked off. And it was one of the most incredible games we've ever seen in person. The atmosphere there is absolutely unparalleled. When you think about it, Montana has no – the closest professional team is Seattle, which is a full 12 hours away, or Minnesota, which is – pretty much a full 12 to 20 hours away. There is nothing in between but Cows and these two teams. This is their professional teams. It is one half of the state versus the other half of the state. It actually means something. There's playoff implications. At the Find, find me too many other rivalries that really will match this one intensity-wise. There's so much on it. It would have given college game day. It would have had an incredible atmosphere. It's a wonderful situation to highlight smaller schools that will not get this notoriety early. Most people probably turned off this podcast the minute I mentioned Montucky like that. They're just like, nope, we're done here. Don't care. So they really miss out on that opportunity because they go to Columbus every year. They're going to go to Ann Arbor for for Ohio State, Michigan probably, but especially if they both went out till that point. Like you go, this is a regular for you. Ohio State's probably going to make the playoffs at this rate. You're going to talk about them relentlessly. You really missed out a chance. And Desmond Howard and some of the other guys, even College Game Day's Twitter retweeting saying, "Wow, what a response to all of the hashtag Get College Game Day into Montana things that went through." A golden opportunity, a wonderful marketing, a place that really could have used that economic boost on top of it. I mean. People don't. Montana is a university of Montana versus Montana State. They really dropped the ball in an incredible rivalry. So I'm gonna I, that was a long-winded rant for crunch time, but basically just gonna say College Game Day is not gonna do it. They dropped the ball, but we got you covered at least because we're gonna be doing that game on Color Cast this weekend as well, too. So you can tune into that one for the Brawl of the Wild. We will get you covered. College Game Day won. And we're not gonna use the Kirk Street has to call a game excuse. We will take care of it. Just a very disappointment tw- pointing loss for this fantastic rivalry.
2: Yeah, look, hey, we've like, we been, been able to watch it both. Uh, that touchdown, by the way, game-winning touchdown by Montana against North Dakota State, you look really close. because there's a giant dude with a big, big uh, grizzly ball print on his shirt. That's me. I actually literally was standing right there where they where they scored the game-winning touchdown at, and that was a fantastic game to be to, and I can honestly attest that, yes, it is that loud there. But that'll do it for us today, guys. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. And until next time, we'll see ya.